Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Abide Bible Club podcast. My name is Mari, and this is part two of my conversation with Jared Dodd and his son Isaiah regarding the renewal of the biblical family. You can watch this entire conversation on YouTube. Our channel is Abide Bible Club, but if you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to go back, listen to that first before you continue listening here. So speaking of kids, we're going to do the uh, renewing the biblical family in the role of the child um, and what children want, should be doing or, you know, what's their role according to scripture. And uh, yeah, so I'll let you share about that. Well, how would you challenge sons and daughters about there? What's your role? What should you be um, doing? Well, I think uh, sons should, I don't know, sons, they're not... Uh, males and females aren't really doing their role nowadays a bunch you know they're sort of mixing together as friends too much and just sort of not acting as the roles that they should be in the bible you know and one of the big points that i have on this is uh when men and women treat each other they treat each other like buddies you know they don't really uh respect or yeah, respect each other, revere yeah. each other you know so it starts to bridge the gap and then sooner or later you just get all messed up and uh, that's one of the big problems, I would say, with uh, with all the things that we have with younger kids or whatever. Like you go to these places and they're all just hanging out and whatnot. And so what I would encourage them is just study the Bible and be your role, you know, be the yeah. role that God has shown in the Bible. And you have to be that role, you know, uh, or uh, so, Christian culture is just going to. Yeah. So 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 what's some tips for boys treating girls? What's some practical things boys can do? with treating girls mm, well i'd probably say treat them as a sister you know it says what's the verse yeah so it's uh first timothy five it says treat older women as mothers and younger sister i mean and younger women as sisters with absolute purity yeah mm -hmm. they got to treat them with purity as sisters and some guy they, they just don't understand yeah they so think, they can share crude jokes with them or yeah. they kind of rough house with them you're supposed to treat them like princesses of of the king and so this would be opening doors, being mm, chivalric, yeah, more uh, respectful, you know, because you have to treat ladies with respect, you know, that's your goal, one of your goals as a man. And for women, it's kind of the same way with men, too. You got to treat them with respect, you know, and yeah. yeah. So, so you, this the, the, this would be the man opening the door for the woman and the woman showing showing respect. Yeah, saying, saying thank you thank you offering and, the seat you know yeah the woman has to even if she might even not want she has to uh, let the man do his role you know so say thank you when he opens the door and you know at play her part as a lady in christ feminism has tried to convince women that for a man to carry their groceries for them or for a man to open the door or offer a seat is some sign of weakness but it's not it's a sign of honor and, and for Christian children, they need to see that this preaches the gospel. When a man opens a door for a woman, that only makes sense in a Christian worldview. That doesn't make sense in atheism, humanism, Islam, Buddhism. It only makes sense in Christianity because what you're saying when you open that door or when you offer your seat for a woman is, God made us male and female, and he made us different, and I am to honor you. So the Bible is true. You are affirming the Bible. And when a woman says, thank you, She's affirming the Bible when she receives that. And so uh, if uh, women don't allow men to be chivalric, then chivalry is going to die out. They need to welcome it. They need to expect it. They need to honor it. 
And another way they could do that too is the way they dress. You know, the way you dress shows your worldview in usually certain aspects. So you go around and the Bible says, I forgot which verse, but it says, uh, you cannot, uh, what is it? A man shall not wear woman's clothing. Oh, yeah. Woman woman's should not clothing. wear man's clothing. And today that, that's been bridged. And I look around and I'm like, what happened to that verse? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. all these excuses or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. They, so the way they dress is very important because it shows you're like, if you walk, usually if you're walking in Walmart or whatever, and you see a family come by and all the girls are in long dresses or whatever, you usually can usually say that's probably a Christian yeah. family. You, you can know? spot a modest homeschool usually, family. Usually. Mm-hmm. Like we walking around and we're like, we ding, know ding, that ding. family yeah. is homeschool. <laughs> yeah. And then we go up and ask them that. Oh yeah. We're Christian. Yeah, we're you Christian know? Homeschool family. So, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, goal is for men to dress masculine, to dress like men, and the women to dress feminine, to dress like women. Now, every culture has, you know, there's no legalism on what that specifically looks like, but that's the goal, mm-hmm. is to be feminine and to be masculine. I think shoulder pads in the 80s kind of started that with <laughs> in the business world and working women, and then you got your latch and key kids, and then, you know, so just... It's, it's sad how the world has just turned upside down, but Jesus's kingdom is an upside down kingdom anyway. Um, and uh, how old are you, Isaiah, for those who are listening? Um, I'm 15. 15. So for those of you who are teenagers or younger or older, um, I think you guys should go and listen to their episode they did together. And I'm sure there's several. I just haven't listened to them all yet, but... Um, um and i know there's an older son jd or jared jared Jr. yeah jared the second um but anyway like i hope that more kids can sound like jared or like i think of my brother-in-law zeke who's uh 12 now but when he was 10 when i first met him he was doing power tools. He takes care of his goats and chickens and, um, doesn't really care about, you know, trying to get attention. He's just humble and servant hearted. And we need more men like that, um, to treat women better. Um, and then I was going to ask, and you shared this on that episode you did together. How do you spend your time on a regular basis compared to, you know, I think we can get an idea of how the world spends their time with kids your age um, or Christians too. But how do you spend your time? How do you renew your mind, uh, transform yourself by the renewing of your mind? Well, usually I'm working, you know, yeah. <laughs> but when I'm not working. I'm at home, usually reading, reading. I just read all, he supplies me with all the books. I just read them on. They're really good. You know? Yeah. Like, men, men read books. Yeah to be manly is to read books. Um, all of the great, I mean, many of the great men of history read books. And, uh, you know, when you think of Churchill or you think of Cromwell or, uh, you know, the founding fathers, um, you would think of Stonewall Jackson, Robert, those guys, those guys were well-read. That's part of being man. That's in our book, uh, the 16 essentials. And also just a quick testimony with Jared and Isaiah. Um, and this is an opportunity for men out there, uh, young men about six or eight months ago, they put an ad online saying, Hey, two, two, uh, two young men will show up on time. We'll work hard 20 bucks an hour. And they get all the work they need. I mean, people, I mean, 
it's one of the symptoms of how bad things are in this country right now is that we have a generation now that they don't work. Well, people need work done. They need muscle. Like they just need people to move stuff around, to dig trenches, to build a fence, to paint a wall. And, uh, and so, Hey, there is, there is no excuse. I mean, back in the, back in the day, back in, well, from Adam and Eve up until recently, there was competition. Young men had to work really, really hard and they had to be really, really skilled to get by. Now you just have to show up on time and work mm. and you can be very successful. So you have no excuse. And I don't say this in legalism. I'm not trying to be mean, but young men, shoot your video games, go out and get, you know, this would be manly. You know, the clay, what the, the clay yeah, kitchen. The, I'm not sure if you can shoot a video game out of that, but that would be a really cool video to just put on YouTube or, you know, put on Mari, one of Mari and Chris's things is just shooting these video games because, Hey, guess what the Bible says? I think it's, I think it's first Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, but when I became a man, what, you know, what's it say? I put childish ways behind me. Mm. And so it's time to grow up when my, when my boys come to me and they say, dad, I'm ready to be a man. The first thing I say back to them is, then you need to be about the business of men. And the business of men is providing, protecting, learning, growing up, you know, reading good books and being about improving yourself to be the man that God wants you to be. It's about ministry in the kingdom of God. Yeah, you shouldn't. It isn't that you become a man, you know, whenever you get married or something. No. It's you, get, you become a man at a very early yeah. age. Going through a wedding ceremony doesn't make doesn't make a person a man yeah um so excellent point. Start, yeah a lot earlier than excellent that. point or a good husband when you say i do i mean we all you know or a wife when i say i do we have to grow in that beforehand and i think a lot of parents um i'm not i mean i'm just saying this because that's what i believe or see you know a lot of parents baby their child um and then don't want to let them go when they go off to college somewhere um, and then they, you know, they're soaked in what the world says, and then they just go with what the world says men and women should be. Um, you say good books. What are some good books that you read, Isaiah, or that your daughters read, um, or, you know, whatever? Um, well, I can really only give out good authors, you know, there's a lot of the time it's, I find a good author that I like, and then read all his books. Some of them are, well, it depends what you like. Like for history, I usually read um, a guy called Albert Marin. Albert Marin, M-A-R-R-I-N. And he mm -hmm. is like a really good historian. He like, that's where I usually get my history. And then there are good like theology books, you know, I can read from Archie Sproul mm -hmm. or uh, C.S. Lewis has a lot of good ones, Surprised by Joy, all that. Though, yeah, I usually just try to find a good writer and then read all his books. You know, the uh, the uh, best tip I got when I first started homeschooling my kids, because we didn't know what we were doing at all. I mean, you have the advantage of at least marrying a homeschooler. <laughs> we were both public school. We had no idea what we were doing. The best advice I got was give your kids a love for learning and give them the right books. And I tell you what, that is seriously 80% of homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Give them a love for learning, a love for reading and mm -hmm. give them the right books. And I mean, I don't really teach him anything anymore. That stopped, that stopped a long time ago. I just give him the right books. And now I'm asking him questions mm -hmm. because he's more read, you know, he's better read than I am. So 
Yeah, I heard a thing. It was like, show me your books and I'll show you your future. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Or show me who your child's heroes are and I'll show you who they're going to be like. Yeah. Um, what about for the girls out there? Any books? For, I mean, those authors could probably work for girls too, but if there's anything or biblical womanhood or anything on that or whatever. Yeah, you know, I, um, there's, there's some great books out there on um, raising up. Uh, it's something about daughters of virtue or no maidens of virtue, raising a maiden of virtue, something like that. There's uh, the, the uh, excellent wife. Uh, one of the best books I just finished while well, I've got a couple of chapters left is by Doug Wilson who's one of my favorite authors and it's called reforming marriage. And it's an excellent book for men and women because it talks about both roles. Um, Debbie Pearl has some stuff. Uh, she has a book called preparing to be help me. I think would be good for single girls or the hidden help me. Um, but yeah, they're good. And, you know, I mean, all of the books that I recommend for my boys, I mean, sometimes girls aren't as excited about, um, Winston Churchill and uh, Stonewall Jackson, stuff like that. But they have excellent heroes also. Um, there's books on Mary Bunyan, who was um, John, John, right? Yeah, John Bunyan's, the guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress Wife. Um, so there's some good books out there. Okay. Lots of good books. Nice. And uh, I just wanted to say this, that I admire how when you share on your podcast, all these things that we're talking about, you have your kids in the studio with you. And it just, it's really cool that you're treating your kids like adults. You're preparing them to be adults and their own people, their own individuals. And rather than, oh, you know, you don't have to worry about that now. You know, you're not at that age yet to think about things like this. But I think investing in them in that way, engaging uh, their thoughts and their minds to become uh, these men and women who are going to be our next generation of people. They're going to be taking care of us someday. Um, you know, our, our country is in their hands. And so um, I admire that you don't wait to tell them what's important or what's true. Um, you invest in that now. Um, so I encourage parents out there, you know, I'm not and you say on your podcast all the time, you know, we're not the perfect family. We're not like, oh, you have to be like us. Um, but this is just a good model that I think a lot of people should follow. Um, I forgot to mention a question back for the parenting one, but as we're talking about books, are there any resources or family Bible studies or devotional books that you recommend for those parents who want to start discipling their kids or, um, you know, teaching the Bible to them. Like I think of a dad who's like, I don't want to do this. That's what the pastor's for. But if there's a book that you follow or just plain straight the Bible, um, how do you normally do that? Yeah. So there are, there are wonderful people. I know that their mindset is all we need is the Bible and they just use the Bible. And I don't disagree with the statement. All we need is the Bible, but the way I look at it is God has given his church amazing giftedness insights and so i mean you're really robbing your kids of amazing opportunity if you don't introduce them to people like c.s lewis and tolkien and um people like that uh for dads one of the best books okay so let me tell you what we do every morning uh we did it this morning uh we read a chapter of proverbs every morning in the evening we read a chapter of the gospels 
But we read a chapter of Proverbs, and then I open up, which I think is one of the best books second to the Bible, and it's Aesop's Fables. Are you familiar with Aesop's Fables? I've heard of it, but yeah. Yeah, so so it was it was a story by this guy named Aesop, a story is written 600 years before Christ. And, well, you've heard of The Boy Who Cried Wolf, or you've heard of The Tortoise and the Hare, and they're great stories and they teach amazing principles and they teach children how to read stories and gain wisdom from it. That's why I love it. I think that's when it comes to good books, the first book, second to the Bible, of course, is Aesop's Fables. And then we uh, watch videos uh, from Prager University. I'm not sure if you've heard of Dennis Prager or Prager University. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't go online and watch them. I have software where I beforehand go online. Years ago, I went on and I ripped off about 150 videos. I'm not big on my kids being on the internet at all. So I so I put the resources on the hard drive of the computer, no internet. Uh, we also do the Bible project, which mm -hmm. is kind of cool. Yep. And so we watch those videos because I want my kids, many of the children who are walking away from the faith, it's not because they're reading the book of Mark and they all of a sudden have a hard verse and they can't understand it. It's because they're convinced that capitalism's evil or that Black Lives Matter is a good thing or that um, uh, evolutionism is true or that, I mean, it's some kind of uh, apologetic issue. And so, I mean, there are, there are parents up in North Dakota that I was talking with, wonderful parents with beautiful families whose older children got wrapped up in some kind of political or, or a worldview issue that seemed like a small deal, but it was the snowball down the hill. And now they're, they are gone. Mm. And so I want them to know how to defend basic common sense issues. Does that make sense? Yeah. You I know, think so. Um, I was going to oh, say please. that, um, yeah like the Bible project, those videos are really cool because it gives a visual. And then when they read it again, they can look back on that. I think a lot of our generation, um, we think of veggie tales or think of those songs and things. Um, but it's nice to, you know, kind of grow up, like you said, to put away childish things. And even though, yes, they're fun, um, but to have them be able to defend their faith and grow in their apologetics to uh, have an explanation behind their belief and to make it um, solid under their feet. Um, it, I've, I interrupted you. I'm sorry if there's anything. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. That, that was a great point. And so, uh, so finding books that communicate wisdom principles, character, uh, that's why I'm a fan of um, historical fiction, because when they read G.A. Henty's In, Freedom, uh, In Freedom's Cause about Wallace and Bruce, not only are they learning history, but they're learning how to be men and women of courage and of conviction. And so we need to equip parents. This is, this is one of the most important things I think I can say to you. I think spelling is important. I think basic mathematics has its place. So do that. But that is nothing at all compared to the importance of worldview and of ideas. That needs to be first and foremost, whether it's economics, whether it's uh, logic, uh, whether it's government. Um, and you know, it's always humbling to recommend our own resources, but we have a book called The Essentials, 
16 qualities that will set your child up for success. And the whole idea behind that is these are 16 things that usually typically slip through the cracks. And what's ironic is, in my personal opinion, they are the number one 16 things we should do as parents. So, and I mean, I'm guilty of those falling through the cracks. You and I, Mari, were conditioned uh, to just teach our kids a bunch of facts and hope it sticks instead mm -hmm. of teaching them how to think. Or have other so, people teach our kids facts and not ourselves. <laughs> um, uh, this is all great. And if you want those resources, go to jareddodd.com and you'll find all of their books. And they also have a flash drive that also have about 25 uh, messages. And it's for families to listen to together. Um, and we hope as you're listening with your family that conversations will happen after this as well. Um, we have a couple, we have two questions that are outside of the I guess, biblical family renewal concept. Um, but if you have an idea, um, I know you shared this briefly on a, I think you shared it on one of the messages on your flash drive that you have, but someone asked, how do you find a good church? Wow. That's a good question. That's a really good question. So, um, you find a church that's teaching the Bible. Most people are on board with that. Most people who think like we do, people who we meet at the North Dakota Homeschool Convention, for instance, which excited for this coming weekend, wish we could be there. We're going to miss you guys. Uh, hopefully we'll be there next year. But um, most people are, are on board with that. But I mean, they need to believe in the Bible. Your leaders need to believe that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, all-sufficient Word of God. But here's the thing that many parents get blindsided with, and this is my personal conviction, so take it with a grain of salt. It's not just what is taught. It's the way you do church. Mm -hmm. Scripture says not to conform to the patterns of this world. Very often today, church has become modern philosophized, if I can just create that term, where you have things like children's church is a big one, where, you know, this, you know, from Adam and Eve up until about 1940, kids, families worship together. Now, there are many homeschool children who have never seen their parents worship. Think about that. They have never seen with their eyes mom and dad worship. Every time they walk into the building, the church, they're automatically separated from mom and dad. And not only are they separated from them, but they're even separated from their siblings and age-based peer groups. Well, right. why? Why is that? It's not because pastors were reading in the Bible saying, wow, we missed this for the last 1900 years. It's because we've conformed to the modern principles of age-based peer group education, which is right out of Darwinian evolutionary philosophy. So whether it's, uh, I mean, that one to me, if, if parents with this, the two things that are going to shape your child's worldview of God most is their view of dad, which we talked about. And the second one is their view of church. How do they view dad? How do they view church? And if your kids see church as boring, disengaged, uh, well, boring actually isn't, let me take that back. Cause that's where people are like, Hey, let's go back and do puppet shows and glue dried macaroni to paper so we can somehow make them happy. But if they see it as disengaged from mom and dad, then, um, then they're going to see God as disengaged. And, you know, parents say, but, but Jared, my children doesn't understand the sermon. 
Well, when I teach on Sundays, my four-year-old daughter, well, she's five now, my five-year-old daughter, Jubilee, she doesn't understand the message either. But guess what she does understand? She looks around, she, she sees mom and dad, she sees big brother Isaiah, she sees all these families, and she realizes she's a part of the team. She's a part of the family. She has warm feelings. She snuggles up with grandma and grandpa or mom and dad while, while dad's teaching. And she might not sing along with the songs, but she sees everyone singing and she feels she's a part of something. Mm -hmm. So I know that was a tangent, but you struck a passionate nerve of mine in that one. So uh, that's what I would say. Try and find an age, uh, a, a family integrated church that's mm -hmm. willing to worship as families. Yeah. And I think you mentioned in one episode that you guys came into a church, you were, you know, out speaking somewhere and you came to a church and you were asked three times uh, during the worship, the first worship song, Hey, there's children's church. Do you want your kids to No, I'm good. I have my kids with me. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> and I just commend you for that. Um, I remember as a youth leader back at my home church in California, um, you know, I would ask, there was only one family and there's probably 1500 people that go there. One family that I know and everyone knows that their kids sit with them at church every Sunday. And, um, and I always wanted to invite the, the girl that was in my age group that I discipled. Oh, do you want to come upstairs? I messaged that mom once I moved up here saying, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> and I commend you for that. And I wish more parents did that. Um, one of the girls I discipled, she now sits in service with her mom um, just because there's peer pressure in children's church. Also, um, ki the kids that are in church with them are the same kids from school. And um, sometimes there's the church person the Sunday person. And then at school, they're a completely different person, which is very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I have that heart too, to, you know, if you don't know what to talk about with your kids about the Bible, just replay what was talked about on Sundays and then to help you understand or write down the scriptures or, you know, have it soak in them rather than, Oh, a couple hours on Sunday. And then we forget about it. Um, but yeah, I think family integrated, Again, renewing the biblical family, worshiping together. Um, and the last question, it's from the CV family. They wanted to ask, where are we at the time? Where are we at in the timeline of biblical end times? Are we waiting for a rapture of the saints or the second coming of Christ? For me, I, I say it's the rapture, but you could share what you want to say. <laughs> I would say to Tim that I'm waiting for him to get his house in order. So Christ will come back. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, awesome family. Awesome family, the CVs. Um, so, you know, this is, this is a question that, that I'm always, I'm always very timid to answer because it's such a controversial question. I mean, people are on both sides and I was educated. I was educated on more of the left behind uh, mm. rapture side of things. And I would just wish this, this answer is going to disappoint uh Tim probably because I'm not going to be very specific, but here's some things I would just, I would just point out is that because I have some dear friends that I worship with every week who are very excited because all the prophecies are coming all, you know, the stars are aligning and within the next 10 years, we're all going to be zapped out of here. And if that happens, rock on, I'm thrilled. I mean, I would love for Christ to do that. And he can, he can do whatever he wants to. 
but every generation thinks theirs is the, is the last. Mm -hmm. I mean, every generation thinks theirs is the last or almost last. And so far, every generation has been wrong. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the one thing that all godly men throughout the ages have agreed with is that the coming of Christ is, I think the word they use is imminent, which means he's going to come back whenever he wants to, and it could be right now. And there's nothing the to do about it. Yeah, I mean, he is, he, he is God. Uh, the one, the, well, the two cautions I would give people is, however you interpret Revelation, don't let it change your interpretation of the first 65 books of the Bible. The first 65, if we just take the first 65 books of the Bible, they paint a picture, in my opinion, of this, that we are to take dominion as God's people. That we aren't to bunker down. No, Christ said he's going to build his church and his church are going to knock over the gates of hell, right? Which are defensive. So it's not that we are bunkered down trying to survive until God takes us home. We are to be advancing. We are to be taking dominion of education, taking dominion of the arts, taking dominion of ideas. Uh, we are to be, you know, obviously I'm not talking about with a sword, lawfully, peacefully uh, with the gospel. We are to be taking dominion. We are to be taking dominion of government. We are to be taking dominion of nations in the sense of as the gospels and the principles of Christianity spread. This, this nation, in my personal opinion, was founded on men. Many of them were not born again, but they thought like Christians more than most of us do. Uh, men who uh, uh, applied the biblical principles of liberty and of government and of checks and, checks and balances and how to squinch tyranny and they founded this great nation. So however you interpret the last book of the Bible, don't let it take away from you this idea. Because some people say, for instance, and the point, Mari, that I'm getting at is people say, man, things are so bad right now. But you know what? It has to get bad before the end comes. So we're just going to kind of ride the wave. And it's like, no, I personally don't see anywhere in the scripture where it says that we need to just relinquish and let things get bad. Let's take dominion because we don't know if it has to get bad. That's based on a very recent interpretation. And even if it does have to get bad, the end might be a thousand years from now. So maybe we can have another 950 years of good. Let's take dominion for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I hope that's sufficient. Yeah. And it starts <laughs> with how we raise our children, you know? And taking yeah. dominion, it yeah. starts with raising our children. Um, when you said, you know, people think, oh, these are the end times. Um, we're one day closer to Christ's, you know, return than we were yesterday. Um, but again, it may not happen in our generation. I think of in California, we have earthquakes. And so they've been talking about the big one ever since my great grandma was around and she was born during World War One. So it just goes to show like everyone thinks that it'll happen. And um, we want, we, we wish it would happen. You know, we wish that Christ would return. Um, but I mean, he gets to come whenever he wants to, he'll come like a thief in the night and we're not to know the hour of the day, but to trust him during that time. So anything else you want to share Isaiah or Jared, thank you both for being here. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I would just encourage people uh, there is, there's nothing lost that cannot be regained by the power of God. Mm. So this is not a message of defeatism. This is not a message of discouragement. I mean, we need to be convicted, but repent and believe and humble yourself and 
uh, wherever you're at in your family, start with your marriage, spend time with your children, make the changes that you, that you need to make uh, before it is too late. I mean, someday it's going to be too late, but right now, as long as we're in the land of the, of the living, as long as we have breath, we can turn the tide. So um, God is with you. Um, all things are possible through him. So don't give up, be encouraged. God can redeem any relationship. Mm, that's good. And another shameless plug um, to go check out jareddaw.com, check out the Blessed Family Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, get in touch with all the resources that he has. Um, but please let us know if this blessed you. Please share it with other families that you know, um, other moms and dads who want to, again, take dominion and renew the biblical family um, model that is laid out for us in scripture. So I just want to thank you again, Jared and Isaiah for being here and please come to the homeschool convention next year. We would love to have you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. You're very welcome. And thank you for listening to the Bad Bible Club podcast. And we hope that you will stay tuned for the next one. Thank you all for listening. And again, if you want to get Jared's resources, go to jareddodd.com. Or you can go to our website, abideclub.wordpress.com, go under podcast guests, and all of his information should be there for you. If you don't listen to my podcast, go listen to his. It's the Blessed Family Podcast. Every Christian should be listening to this, no matter how old they are. Um, It's just so good. And um, if you want to know about our next podcast guest and you want to send in questions, you need to follow our website, again, abideclub.wordpress.com, and you should be able to be notified when the next podcast episode and guest are announced. So thank you for listening. Please share this with people who you think would be encouraged, who need to listen to this, who need to be um, getting the blinders off their eyes and see what's truly happening in our country and in our world. And it all goes back to the family. So I want to thank Jared Dodd and Isaiah for being on again. And if you want to watch the episode and see us on a screen, it's on YouTube, Abide Bible Club, and go check that out. Thank you all for being here and God bless you guys.